also I have heartburn like a motherfucker. Is that from drinking? I don't know. I think it's just from thinking not old. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm 34. Oh, you are almost dead. You're right. I'm sorry. I was mistaken. <laughs> I'm sorry you didn't you didn't tell me that. I have melanoma. I actually am going to die over the next 15 years. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, you just asked me a question and then you asked me another question. I did? So what does that mean? I, just... I, I asked you two questions, I guess. <laughs> you did. I was like, you have I... melanoma? Yes. Really? Why are you screaming at me? Jesus. No, you're just drunk. I'm, it sounds louder. No, I've known this for 10 years. Oh. Oh. Well, what are you doing about it? There's nothing you can do. <laughs> you're freaking me out, man. Okay. Like, seriously? Do you want to go to swim? We can talk about it. Well, I can't drink, but I'll come in for a minute. <laughs> Yes. I Can I come in? Yeah, of course. Okay. Glass of wine. You tell your fucking cab driver you're gonna give him a glass of wine. Sorry. What do you want? A glass of orange juice? Yeah, orange juice is nice. <laughs> Hi, Kitty. Her name is Sasha. She loves Sasha. Hi, Sasha. Hi, baby. My daughter's back. That's right. You have a daughter. I do have a daughter. Oh my gosh. What is Somebody that? left you flowers. That's a little weird. Is it? I think it's slightly weird. Do you think it's like a weird omen? Did they pick them? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, and they put a little tie around them. <laughs> oh my Jesus fucking Christ. You need some help with your keys there, Skip? I mean, no, I'm not drunk. I just need to find them. No, I didn't say that you were. You just said you were drunk five minutes ago. Well, I you sobered up really quick. Teenies, but <laughs> I've never had flowers left at my door, shit. Bye, Alicia. Bye. Nice to see you. This episode is brought to you by Crater Lake Taxi. Competent drivers, clean vehicles, on time, anytime. Crater Lake Taxi, 541-333-3333. I am Citizen 44. Please listen carefully. Hey everybody, Mark Ahrensberg here. Welcome to Citizen 44. It is a blistering day. Well, that's a little exaggerated. It's pretty fucking hot here. It's about 105 today. Supposed to be 108 tomorrow. I am not working. Although, it would probably be more comfortable in the Lincoln with the air cranked than it is in my apartment where I'm not currently cranking the air. It is so hot outside, even with the air on, it's relatively warm inside. About 85, I think, in my apartment. It's been a pretty incredible week. Many things have come up, and Boo is the number one thing currently. Uh, She, as you know, dropped out of sight. Four days, no contact, nothing. Well... I could not let that go, so I used the taxi phone to make an international call to her cell phone number. And guess what? She answered. So, good thing, check, she's not dead. Uh, two, uh, she answered in Thai, of course, and, uh, and I said, hello, 
And she did not recognize who it was because we don't typically speak on the phone. I mean, we use the phones, but we use an app called LINE, L-I-N-E, all caps, which I had mentioned to you previously. Anyway, I said, hey, it's Mark Ahrensberg. And she, uh, she hung up the phone. So, of course, I, I called back immediately. And she picked up the phone again. And I said, hey, I hope you don't think I cheated on you because I didn't. And then she hung up again. But this time my phone rang. And it was a video call from Boo on that app line. So through a veil of tears and not many words, we were able to navigate through this little bit of difficulty. I think she believes me, in fact, because I am telling the truth, that I did not cheat on her and would not cheat on her. I had those days, man. I had all kinds of that foolishness back in the day. You know, I can barely be with one person. How am I going to include others in that way? So... Everything's cool, man. It's all good. We're good. We're, we're super good. And uh, everything's back on. I actually, uh, I asked her to marry me. And she kind of said no. And then, and I was fine with that. But then she got upset and said she can't because, you know, I don't want to suffer at the end of my life and want to take myself out. I hate the word suicide. Let's just call it end of life termination or something there must be some new language around that we we can come up with to make it as reasonable as it really is for us to do this for ourselves if in fact our quality of life has diminished uh, beyond reasonability so she just pictures coming home from work and then bam there's me dead on the floor and i tried to explain to her no that's that's not how it would go it would be very ceremonial and sweet and thoughtful and and like that anyway I did ask her to marry me when I come to Thailand. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe. Who knows? It doesn't really matter. It was more of a gesture of commitment to me, uh, for her, to her, from me. And and that's all that matters. What else is happening? Zoe, my daughter Zoe, and uh, my ex Val, and a couple of Zoe's friends, Addie and Athena and Olivia, all went to Portland together to go see Zoe's first concert, Ed Sheeran who's this dude, all the rage, I guess, solo guitar players selling out massive stadiums. And uh, so that's what they did. They did that. And Zoe's a very cute little teenager. She's, she's already mourning her first concert experience by saying she misses Ed Sheeran playing. So that's really cool that she had this musical connection with him. And meanwhile, Sam got to be home by himself not uh, drowning in a sea of estrogen. He got to be by himself and, and do whatever that is, which is, we all know, only a couple things it could be. And they don't even need to be mentioned. So, But those things that Sam likes to do, he could do in a, in a high concentration without any distractions. Uh, Doug came over, Doug Fergus. Doug put in the air conditioning that saved my ass in uh, 2003. Uh, when I realized how hot it can get here in Ashland, and after going uh, one season, one summer without air conditioning, uh, I did something about that and, and called my brother-in-law at the time, Jeff Hamlet, and asked for a recommendation for someone to come put in some central air. And that name came back as... Doug Fergus. 
Dud Fergus, who I aptly named our first album, our first Naked in Public album release, our one and only, actually, album release, uh, called No Filter, uh, for two reasons. One is, Doug made his living in the HVAC, or heating and air conditioning business, a tin knocker, if you will. And Doug doesn't really think about what's coming out of his mouth much of the time which most of the time is pretty ridiculously entertaining. And sometimes, well, you know, shit happens when you say things without thinking about them. So still entertaining. So Doug came over. He's in town right now doing some work on the house that he and Suzanne bought as an income property to rent out. They're doing some fixing up a ring, fixer up a ringing. So he's here and we've been hanging out a little bit. Doug and I went to Bloomsbury, and uh, Doug had a little a little food. I wanted to stop at Safeway and pick up some oat milk. I do not drink dairy, typically. I don't eat much dairy, although I'm a sucker for the burritos, especially the kids' chili relleno burrito. Chili relleno. That is so white. Oh, my God. I went to the Taqueria Picaro, and I had the chili relleno, the kids' burrito with extra pico de gallo, and it was really good. Uh, Joe's back. Uh, That's all very nice. Joe is back. I think he had a pretty good time. It's nice to have uh, some time away from the taxi completely, meaning not even dispatching. And uh, I think Joe is pleased that he didn't have to hear about anything major bad happening. And we took care of business, as I told him. We just took care of business, man. I pushed it a different way than he does and managed to make it work. And I think he was uh, pretty impressed and pleased Although, four cars went down. That was pretty challenging. Had to play a little uh, musical cars. We had uh, the Lincoln went down. It blew a cylinder the day before Joe got home. And I had just handed the car to Devin. And he hadn't been gone five minutes to go pick somebody up in uh, the shopping cart parking lot. When he called me and said, hey, Mark, the car sounds like a helicopter. So I told him to park it. Let me hear it. And I immediately knew that uh, it was running on seven versus eight, which... Joe confirmed, but that went down. The van was was going down, having some transmission problems the day before. I somehow convinced the computer to correct itself through a behavior modification on how I used the accelerator through shifting, and so it was fine, and it has not been a problem since. The pilot was also having transmission problems, but then a dead battery, so I didn't get to finesse the pilot and see if I could uh, maybe correct the problem through the same exercise I did with the van. And the uh, Transit, the big boy that I was actually going to use as a third vehicle to back up two boys out on the road, ended up with a dead battery as well. So, you know, considering all the potential disasters uh, that went on, we really didn't miss a beat. I think it was a pretty successful month, minus Joe. I, you know, have this hernia thing, and... uh, it's not overly bothersome, but it's there, man. I, I could feel it, and uh, it doesn't seem to be getting any worse. It's kind of just maintaining this dull uh, inconvenience, really. Uh, Rich Reese hit me up the other day and said, Hey, man, come out to the park and let's throw the football. And uh, it's something I actually really love doing, and I'm pretty darn good. Even at 55, I noticed I can go 20 yards and still make him drop it because I can throw it so hard. I was not able to get the good spin. Definitely on, though. I was pretty much on target and had the the power. I just didn't have the pretty. 
I was throwing some ducks. They were getting there. Not a lot of spiral action going on. He's, he's also very good. And so the arm, surprisingly, the next day felt fantastic. Even in the past, you know, I've thrown too long. And I'm sure that's what it was. We only threw for about maybe half hour, 45 minutes. I can be out there for hours, uh, no problem, if I'm not thinking about what I'm doing to myself the next day. Anyway, so the next day was fine. Then the day after that, oddly enough, my left arm started hurting. And I think that's because not only can I throw a football, but I can catch a football. I've got hands like Velcro. Once they seek it out and get anywhere close to it, it's pretty hard for that thing to get away. And I I like that. I love that I still have those skills too. Like I'll fucking lay out, man. I will fly through the air and grab that fucking thing and tuck it if I can and go down with the ball. Uh, I'll, I'll go for those yaks, those yards after the catch. Um, and, and that's what hurt, was my left arm and shoulder was killing me two days later, and I can only attribute that to stretching, as I am now and it's still sore, stretching for the ball. So a couple days ago, I was really having quite a bit of discomfort and, uh, and decided yesterday to go see my friend Jennifer Zimmerer, who is a fantastic acupuncturist and former love interest who is such a sweet baby. And really, we think almost exactly the same and have a lot of sameness in our thing thinking and stuff. Uh, anyway, I, I trust her implicitly, and she's always brought me back from uh, great difficulty, and she did again. So I feel great, and uh, I feel my arm is cool. Uh, I'm not quite ready to go back to the Andy Baxter uh, fitness solutions environment, but that's coming. I'm feeling that coming. I've reduced my intake, I think. Uh, I've been having kind of a crush on the meal of rice with eggs. And I, and I don't even have to use the stove. I take a mug and I spray the inside of the mug with some nonstick canola spray stuff. And then I just crack a couple eggs in it, put a little sali pimienta in there and take a fork and beat that shit up and stick it in the microwave for about two minutes, two to three minutes, like popcorn time. And you can see the egg rise above the top of the mug and then you know it is done. And it's this fluffy, perfect, brilliant, delicious egg thing. So this is what I do now. I don't even bust out the stove anymore, especially in summertime. So I'm leveraging my my cooking technology, which is the microwave. Then, you know, I was given, well, actually Val and I were given on our 12th wedding anniversary, I believe it was, a rice cooker, a tiger, a beautiful tiger rice cooker from Ed and Susan, who were uh, close friends in San Francisco. And I just kind of started using it again recently because it's so easy, man. Water, rice, button, bam, done. 15, 18 minutes later, it's perfect rice. So I keep it cooked and put it in the fridge. It's just smart to have food ready. You know, if I come home, you know, from being in the taxi, I can take rice and mix it with whatever. You know, I usually keep a jar of kimchi in the refrigerator, which I don't eat too much of because it is the singular thing that is killing men uh, of stomach cancer in Korea, in case you did not know that. Their number one killer is kimchi because they eat that shit every day. And I know why, because I used to eat it really regularly, but I do not now because of what these poor Korean men are going through, which is um, death by kimchi. So whatever it is, I can have some stuff, things in the fridge, 
uh, vegetables that I can quickly, you know, put in some water and steam in the microwave and just mix with the rice. You know, you can get the seaweed, those little um, packaged seaweed squares. Take those and put them in with the rice. Just take a fork and bust that all up and put it some very healthy organic raw pumpkin seeds. Mix it up with that. Chop up the egg, put it in the rice. You know, it's really not hard to make food that is reasonably good for you without a lot of stuff. And it's just a matter of acacia and I will be talking about in this show, modifying behavior patterns. So on today's show, I'm so happy to introduce Acacia Land to you. This young woman has been instrumental, key instrumental in my human development since landing in ye old Ashland in 2002. And it took a few nudgings because she's a busy cat to get her in here. And she's a cool cat like the other cats, but she's uh, this cat is on my radar and we're on that parallel something something where we're doing these things and she's far more productive than I am uh, and is, is really doing a lot of uh, things to help us uh, have an easier time here together. She is on a course and it is because of the small percentile of people like Acacia that this species actually stands a chance. Again, I have no faith in us based on previous historical experience, but I do have hope because I know, I know that we can do this way better. Gonna have a little fun with my mom and dad coming right up. Let's do it. All right, welcome to the game show. I'm Mark Ehrensberg, your host. How are you today, Mrs. Ehrensberg? You know what? I'm really sorry, Mr. Ehrensberg, but I cannot hear you. Wait a minute. Can you hear me now? Golly, Mark, you know, I've got a... I don't know how to say it. I've got a jaw bra over my head. You've got a jaw bra over your head? Maybe you should talk to your father. Dad? Yeah, what's happening? Nothing. Does mom have a bra on her head? Not a real bra. It's called a jaw bra. Oh. It goes around your jaw, over the top of your head, after you've had surgery. Jaw, you know, the bottom of your mouth? Like a jaw. Yeah, Yeah, right. Okay. Like a jaw's heart. Jaw's heart. No, that's a Jew's heart, actually. That is a thing. I can't hear Trump stalking. So I'm sitting here with Doug. Hi, Norm. Oh, yeah. Hi, Doug. Met you a long time ago. He loved you a long you time, Dad. He what? He loved you a long time. Yeah. Remember when you guys were out here? Yeah. That's right. We went to L.A. together. I have yeah. pictures of you at Santa Monica Pier, actually. Right. Yeah. How are you doing, Doug? Doing very well, Norm. Thank you. How's life in the Los Angeles land? Uh, Good. Good. Wow, that's really detailed, Dad. Please tell us more, won't you? Wait, I didn't hear what he said. What'd you say? I just said what? Yeah, how's everything in your world? My world is good. I can't complain. All right. Everything's good, the weather's good, I feel good. And my wife has a job raw, so she can't talk too much, which is good. Oh, truth revealed. Can't hear. 
so I can say everything I want and she can't yell at me. Yeah, all right. How warm is it there today? It is right now. I think it's only in a, what is it, about 85 today? Not that hot. That's not bad. It's beautiful okay. outside. It's, it's actually quite lovely here, too. But next week, by Wednesday, it's supposed to be 111 degrees here. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's where here is. Yes. Well, you've heard it here first, sir. 111 degrees next Wednesday. Well, that's pretty hot. Yeah. It's pretty hot. But So are you doing a show now? Yeah! Yeah! yeah. Well, Why don't you tell me? I want your goggles. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm glad everything's good. Yeah, everything's good, good Dad. Yeah. Everything's good over there. Nobody's dead or no, good. No, from the neck up, you're talking about? Oh, that, that may be, Mr. Comedy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> My dad just turned 79, by the way, Doug, on wow. July 19th. You're a handsome dude. You are, but listen, you don't know this because you don't get on Facebook, but I posted it on Facebook and told people that you recently turned 79 and that you told us when we were kids that you don't have a middle name because your family couldn't afford one and, 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 and that you look like you, you just jumped out of like this funny Italian movie or like you're from or you're from Miami, Florida yeah, or from Florida you look like you live in Del Boca Vista with the fucking Costanzas no, no no, the name of the resort is Del Boca Vista Oh, that's okay. a, that's I never a, heard of it. Well, it's a Seinfeld reference. Why would you know it unless you knew Seinfeld? That's true. You don't know Seinfeld. Anyway, so you don't even know this, but several people have wished you a happy birthday belated in the past week. And you oh, don't... Oh, very good. Yeah, no, you've been seen and, and appreciated without your knowledge. That's you, all. Very good. I appreciate it. I don't have to write them, do I? No. No, actually, they're requesting money. All those people said, happy birthday. May I have some money, please? Oh, that's no problem. Okay, because right. we know well, you... I'll just talk... I'll talk to my finance manager. Well, you know, I, I know that you're part owner of Microsoft. I don't want you to put that on the air. Now everybody's going to be at my front door. First of all, if they know it's me, nobody wants to be at me's father's front door. I can tell you that oh, right that's now. That's for sure. That's for sure. Oh, that actually hurt my hernia just a little bit. So, you know, I, I threw the football the other day. You would have been very impressed with me, actually, I think. Hold on. I got two people talking on each side of me. Two on each side of you? Who, who Who's next to mom? Javid from upstairs. Oh! Put that fucking, put that fucking guy on the phone. Put that fucking crazy bastard on the phone. Javid? Yes! Javid, you want to talk on the phone? No. It's going to be on radio. It's not radio! He says he can't get on the radio because he didn't take a shower. It's not radio. Tell him he's an idiot. It's not radio. <laughs> I made that up. Oh my god, my dad should be on radio! I know, I really should. Boo just sent me a photo. Let's see if it's. Oh my god, look how cute she is, dude. Oh wow. Did I tell you dad about Boo? Did I tell you dad about Boo? No. Okay. I didn't hear from her for four days. Literally nothing. I know. All right. So I finally called her phone phone from the taxi phone so I could make an international call. Yeah. She picks up the phone and answers it in Thai, of course. 
and then I said, hey, it's me. And she said, who is this or something? And I said, it's Mark Ahrensberg. And then there's a long pause and a click. So it's no like, way. wait a minute. So I say, fuck this, man. I am calling that shit back. So I call back. Did you? Of course I did. I've been you asked me. You said you, you're surprised that I talk to her every day. This is the woman I've been with, man. This is I'm making so a commitment to something. So I call her back and I said, hey, man. Oh, good. You're alive. I'm so glad you're alive. I said, do you think I cheated on you? And a long silence. And then I think she hung up again. Yeah. She's just crying. So anyway, so Boo thought I was cheating on her because, as I mentioned in my last show, this woman, Jessie, who I met here in town, like, you know, a month and a half ago, we just became like, you know, dude buddies. And she needed someone to talk to. And she came up and she talked to me. And there were just certain things like normally if I... Uh, like, I kind of rushed Boo off the phone. But not intentionally. It's because somebody needed my attention. But normally I would say, hey, Boo, this is Jess. This is my girlfriend in Thailand. Dibbity do, you know, no big deal. But she got suspicious because I rushed her off the phone unintentionally, not in any malice, of is course. Is that why she was pissed off? Yes. And so we were able to talk it out. And the last thing I told her was, you can never fucking bail on me like that. And? So things are fine. As a matter of fact, she's sending photos now. Dad, she's cute as fuck. She's unbelievable. What are you talking about, Willis? Did you just say, what do I talk about on this show? Yeah. I don't know. What do you think I talk about on this show? <laughs> Being real. The original title for this, and I bought the domain, was rizzledizzle.com, and I own that. Fucking Snoop Dogg doesn't even own his own shit. I own Snoop shit. Acacia Marie Land, right? Yeah. Yeah. How long have I known you, Acacia Marie Land? I've been here 15 years almost. Probably almost that long. Almost the whole time? Yeah, I think maybe it was like the year after. When were you pushing that here. stroller down East Main? That was in 2001 or 2002. Two, because I just moved Two. here in 2002. Yeah. So yeah. it was immediately. Yeah. So just so people know, I would see this extraordinary looking woman pushing a stroller down East Main almost every day because you were a nanny. Yeah. I'm in this new place where I'm fucking waking up, right? And I'm having all this unearthing going on in my soul and stuff happening. And I yeah. see this angel floating down the street. <laughs> and at the time, I had started doing the Lithia Artisans Market. Yeah. And I would take my camera with me every day, and I had this quest. If I bump into you, I'm going to live out this thing, that fantasy in my head about photographing you. <laughs> and then fucking one day you showed up right next door. Yeah. And then I did what I wanted to do, which was fearlessly approach you and say, I want to take pictures of you right now. And I'm pretty sure that's what I said is, I want to take pictures of you right now. Yeah. And you totally did it. <laughs> like, why not? You did. Sure. And, and it was instant. And you even took your top off for me. You remember that? You were <laughs> that my... was not the, not that time. Not the first time, but. I think it was. No, it wasn't. Okay, maybe it no. wasn't. No. 
because that seems <laughs> a little aggressive. Yes. But sure. you were my first, at the time, semi-nude, which I ended up taking lots of nudes of a lot of women in this mm-hmm. town. But you were the first person to, like, in the backyard with a fucking water hose, <laughs> show me your incredibleness, and we've been friends ever since. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, it actually took me 30 minutes to explain to my ex-wife, Val, that I was not, in fact, having an affair with you. I was not, I repeat, not, still am not, and was not. Yeah. But was having something else, obviously much bigger than a stupid fucking romantic affair, as yeah. I was having some kind of a connection with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't talk every day, and we don't, like, hang out all the time, but there's no denying us. Yeah. Clearly. Yes. So... Thank you, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Because honestly, on some level, I mean, I attribute all the things that have happened to me to everybody else. Because mm-hmm. if, if it wasn't for everybody else, I would not be anything. Yeah. And so you were instrumental initially in me coming here to have to address the former self of me, who I have let go of mostly, and now have this other guy that does these things who's in a much better space than he was when he got here. Mm -hmm. Although I was much improved just upon arrival, certainly much, much more improved with all the work I've done since I've been here. Yeah. And you're one of these people, though, who helps people, which I didn't know at the time, but this is your... I probably didn't know at the time either. Probably not. You were a young younger person then yeah and you were just all over the place doing stuff Mm -hmm. but you were still preliminarily preparing yourself even maybe as me being one of your exercises Uh getting ready to do the work that you're now doing full-time which is helping people uh, live a more reasonable existence through you know their hearts through yeah that thing being their real self yeah that authentic thing which this community interestingly enough has a lot of that going on this whole authenticity thing right it's not an overused word here because it articulates what people are looking for here is to become more of themselves and there's a lot of people looking elsewhere and looking at things that aren't helping them Mm -hmm. and are still a little lost in the whole thing but the quest i think ultimately is for all of us to just be our authentic selves yeah and even in the midst of all the shit that we have to do that in is to remain that and that integrity, or even finding that initially at all, because a lot of people not being who they are. Yeah, exactly. Which is fucking painful to know yeah. and see and all that. Yeah, I think what helped me to actually realize that was Nima, my daughter. How old you is know, she now? She she just turned 11, and when she was four, I, I did that program. I was like, listen to the children, because I feel like most of us get told who and what we are, and that's why we're not ourselves. And we get conditioned into a shit ton of beliefs of like our culture, our family origin, religion, all of it. And it disassociates us with our own internal mapping and and what guides us. And so therefore we're reaching outside to find fulfillment instead of looking within. And so I did this program and it was called Listen to the Children because I realized the stuff that was coming out of my daughter's mouth since she was born, I was just in awe of. Like, literally, I felt like she was speaking my heart. And it was so innocent and so simple and so poignant. It just, like, burst, you know, it continues to burst me open into more of who I am. Right. And when I asked her, uh, when she was up on stage at four and a half, what she wanted to be when she grew up, she looked at me with this, like, 
duh, you know, silly mommy, I just want to be myself. And the way she said it just went straight into my heart. And, you know, I started crying actually then because it was just like this light switch went on and I was like, that's exactly what all of us want. Right. Fundamentally, that's so it. So simple. The, well, of course it's simple. It's, it's <laughs> everything we do that complicates the shit out of it yeah. and gets us further and further away from the simplicity of that truth. Yeah. And that's what people are, they're looking so hard at things when the thing that they need to pay attention to is not hard and it's never left them and it's right there. Yeah. But we're not trained. We're improperly trained and we're distracted and there's all kinds of fucking sleight of hand going on to get your attention. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to focus on you when you don't even know what you really means. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, so true. I mean, there is a little bit of preaching to the choir in this community, although even though there's this perception of people being very awake and aware and there's a lot of fakey awake and aware still outside of the realm of self absolutely people identifying with things other than themselves taking that on as themselves still suffering but at least getting some little satisfaction of being able to glom on to a concept oh yeah which isn't them maybe but they find a group of people that are all looking for the same kind of thing which is themselves and they've chosen this thing that they can all talk about and do whatever the fuck they're doing with yeah i feel because of our entrainment with the analytical you know response it's like we have these concepts like love and freedom and and we think we're we're living it but it's just it's sometimes like our fantasy of that and right. actually when freedom or real love comes at us, we don't even know what to do with it or how to receive it. Even me, who's been practicing for years, it's like the idea of freedom, to actualize it means you have to face your shit. Right. You have to be with all of your unprocessed emotions that have never been held. Right. You know, you have to look at the places where oh you know oh you want your partner to be free you have to look at all your abandonment and where you abandon yourself i mean right. that is the greatest devastation when we're continually abandoning ourselves not in right relation with our own emotions our own body our own thoughts right. our own experience but no one's showing us the way yeah i mean it has to be a fundamental education for you to understand what this is and what to fucking even do with it If you don't have an owner's manual, if you don't have a roadmap, if you don't have a mentor, a sponsor, another human being, a guide, whatever the fuck you want to call it, if we don't have people showing us from the get-go, then this is just a cyclical cycle of suffering, essentially. I totally agree. And and this should be our fundamental education is this whole, not what to think, how do I think, how do I leverage this unbelievable organism that has infinite possibilities, which we even look at as a joke now saying that, which is not a joke because I've witnessed shit and know that it is an infinite possibility but we have so much doubt and we carry so much pain and suffering even in our DNA from where we don't even know that we're already preconditioned to be fucking miserable Yeah, which is terror what a horrible place to start then it's climbing out of a hole the whole rest of the way Yeah. so if you're taught from the get go 
or at least allowed, like Nima, to know the truth and just foster that and exactly. nurture that that already exists. Well, there's no real teaching that's being done. It's just support. Completely. It's just relation. Yeah. And then we can operate so much more cleanly and lovingly and openly and honestly and being authentic is not scary it's not a concept anymore it's a reality and that's just (laughs) it we talk about things in this like utopic sense that well we could be this well we are all that yeah and it's not a could be it's there coexisting the dark and the light it's all one coin both sides there's no that and that there's no such thing as that over there and that over there it's all this yeah. But we compartmentalize too, which is also part of our suffering is we label the ego, we label these things, and we assign responsibility outside of ourselves mm-hmm. and don't just fucking be because yeah. we don't know how to be. Yeah. That's really tragic, fucking shitty. Yeah. Well, I think that's my goal and mission on the earth is helping people to actually put those practical applications into day to day lives of how to get present, how to come into right relation with our thoughts and our feelings, and how to do it with group support, because it's really, it's like retraining our our nervous system. We've been entrained in this fight-flight response, which is the reptilian brain going rampant, and that's where the compartmentalizing happens. And, you know, so it's like really about turning the heart back on, because in the heart, and most people don't even realize actually the power of their own bodies and the science. No, they have no clue. Part of my training is learning the science of the heart. I have um, a few certifications with the Heart Math Institute, so it's like the power of the heart is so fundamental in our awakening in in our healing and coming back into a healthy homeostasis in our bodies and our nervous right. system with our emotions and turning on the part of the brain that's about evolution it's right. about empathy it's about connection and right. and reconnecting our limbic system which you know that's not in our schools right now no. to me that's like so crucial fundamental you know like you were saying it should be in our school systems well this and is primary this is education yeah i mean we're putting again labeling just I by say, calling connection it words before correction learning how to connect here with my own self and my center and what i'm in relationship with in this internal community and then how am i then in external community if i'm harmonious here and i'm saying oh my grief is okay or my anger is is just perfect as my my excitement or right. you know it, then i can appreciate when other people are having that experience right. i don't shame them i don't make them wrong i don't you know i try to manipulate them to get something that i need from them you know right. i'm just me and they're being you too they're expressing them which is you right because and you're we're starting all, to see it that's right. through your perception but that's an awareness factor <laughs> well we're not taught to be aware I, right and i talk about this there was this young lady at mix and she had hebrew writing on her shoulder and yeah. it said pay attention uh-huh. really pay attention yeah that's it uh-huh. if we were taught to pay attention it requires us to focus on us and what we're experiencing we really wouldn't don't have time to judge other people this whole even my kids are watching people reading people magazine or all this gossipy shitty Uh we're so distracted that and so far away from ourselves 
through this psychological mechanism to easily manipulate us because we are vulnerable to manipulation so easily one direction or another we could be the hitlers and kill 20 million or we can be the savior and save 20 million there's no i mean the universe doesn't judge doesn't give a shit this is your thing to do whatever you want but it's just amazing that there's just a fine line between you being a healthy you and you not being a healthy you yeah and that that responsibility of all of us to ensure that you know just enough about you and what you represent and are so you can build on that and do mm-hmm. something unimaginable. Absolutely. And our kids are being pushed down into this fucking box yep. of testing and useless information yep. and self-doubt. But I, I feel like, through my own children anyway, there is a rebellion at oh, work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're like, you guys are fucking idiots. Yep. And we're not doing that. Exactly. And this is kind of how the 60s, they saw that this was just blatantly ridiculous behavior that's inexcusable yeah. and socially unacceptable. And people began to rise up. And so this is what I think where Zoe told me her history teacher, her AP history teacher said, mm-hmm. history doesn't repeat itself, it echoes Mm. And I think that's really a far more poignant way of looking at it is Mm. there are feelings repeating themselves. There is a cyclical thing. It's like new opportunity. Forget the calculating when it happens and how often. Forget all that bullshit, the data. The fact is we are, there's a resurgence of humanity fighting for itself. Right. And the Donald Trump stuff, that's us. That's not them over there. That's us. A reflection of us and how fucked we are. And we should be looking at that Buddhist teacher going, oh my God, we... We're doing this? Really? Let's do something else. And not blame him. He's nothing. He's me up there. The worst part of me not doing authentic me what I should be doing. And and what should I be doing looking at that situation going, oh, can we not do this now to each other? Well, he, I mean, that reflection is helping us to wake up. I well, like. and that's it. He's a teacher. But we demonize and we create evil in others and call them them or He's they. He's just exposing what we've been blindly, this is what is. Yeah. And, and so we're having to look at it. Yeah, and it's pretty awesome. Sometimes, you know, it's like when you're in your comfort zone, you don't want to fucking open your eyes. Well, you don't and, have to because you're distracted by... Something that allows for you not to even look at yourself. Exactly. And most people are living that way. Part of it is just like learning how to be with those parts of ourselves instead of putting them aside, making addictions or, you know, like coping mechanisms to deal with this undealt with stuff. I mean, this is to me why we're all in suffering because we're not looking at any of this stuff. I mean, for me, I look at this with my daughter. Sometimes I feel like I'm in suffering because I'm not choosing to participate in the current culture because she's being homeschooled. And so therefore I have to juggle my life around nurturing my child so she doesn't get indoctrinated into the system. And sometimes I'm like, wow, why can't I just like do what everybody else does and just well, you Blindly, can. I can, but I'm not choosing that because That's I right. know I have a choice and because I know it's my responsibility. And it's the hardest thing that you're doing because the system does not support no. people going outside the system to try and do the right thing by their families. Exactly. So you're the oddball. You're fucked up. People look at you like you're nuts. 
I always have been, so... But you're the one who's not nuts. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly. everybody else that's a degree of nuts. Yeah. But because you're doing something differently, which of course will... Not that it'll become the norm, but there will be a different way, of course, yeah. of how we impart information on our children versus sticking them in a building, another compartment, and then compartmentalizing into a book, into this information. Well, it's not serving our future, to me, right. because... You know, let's face it, the world that we're living in is not in little cubicles and boxes right. anymore. We're entrepreneurs. If you're not thinking in those terms and solution of how to be a beneficial president on the planet, we're screwed. And if you're shoving down kids' huge ability to connect to their purpose here, which they've come here to help create solutions yeah. on the planet, yeah. then, you know, it's like, what well, are we suicide. doing? Well, it's suicide. It's total suicide. Yeah. Well, it's, that's what it is. We're dumbing ourselves down to what's possible. Right. And this is what I call, this is a one-dimensional pedestrian experience now yeah. at the threshold of what is, again, unimaginable. I can't imagine what the world would even look like if we were in a different mindset. We talk exactly. about boundaries and territories and a lot of compartmentalization. What if all that kind of lifted and you were just free to move about and do whatever you want? Yeah. First of all, well, we wouldn't be killing each other. And no. We, because that's freedom. I mean, freedom, there are certain identifiable components of freedom. And one is removing certain restrictions that prohibit you from being you uh, authentically. Yeah. And that means maybe you need to be a fucking nomad and move about and not be in a place stuck doing a thing tethered to a thing that is not you. Yeah, exactly. But people just do it because that's what they're shown that Yeah, they don't even do. ask why why There's am I no doing There's no questioning. This? It's just Oh, but the kids are starting to question. And oh, the they're kids also, are. Yes, they're killing it. themselves oh. and they're quitting school yep. and they're becoming drug addicts and gamers and all these things yep. as you talk about coping mechanisms. Because they're suffering. And then we drug them and, yes. you know, disrupt their normal synapses in the brain, yeah. which is just another, ooh. We call I, them sick. We make I mean, them sick. Yeah. And then we tell them we're curing them by making them sicker and number to themselves further yeah. from themselves a lot. And so, yeah. where Are you from Oregon? No. I, I grew up in Canada. What? You you're didn't from know that? Canada? No, I did, yes, but I forgot. <laughs> yeah, that's my, right. You're fucking Canadian. My my parents are were hippies. Huh. Very alternative. We were the weird ones. And what year were you born? Without and, you having to tell me, well, I have never said that. What year <laughs> were you born? Uh, Seventy five. Okay. Yeah. And what was going on in Canada back in 1975? Oh, I mean, you were just born, but well, one of my sisters, my older sisters, had a. a a vaccine injury yeah. and um, and I think that caused them to spiral and, and start questioning huh. things. How this, old was... She's nine years older than me. Okay. So, you know, they, they started looking into health and, and wellness and, and that sort of thing and outside of the, the doctors, you know, sure. whatever. So they... They decided to to take on a vegan diet, and you know we grew most of all our, our own food. And so when I came into the picture, you know we were definitely on, on that train of right. alternative living. And you know my parents were educated around vaccines and asking questions, which nobody does. Right. Like what's in them? What's right. you know what's what is it causing in our our bodies? And so you know I I I've never 
had a vaccine. I've had pharmaceuticals once. You know, I've never put that in my body. And, you know, I feel like I've been pretty incredibly healthy. So what did your parents do for work back in the day? My mom, what, I mean, she mostly stayed home with the kids. We had, I had six sisters, so. Um, Where are they all now? Uh, two of them here in Oregon. One lives in Quebec. The other one lives in Michigan and one lives in Florida. I don't really um, talk that much to the older ones, but my two yeah. younger ones are, are close. And yeah, my dad was an engineer. He was, you know, very high genius and, and a mathematician. Mm -hmm. And they both just, you know, together, I think, created this want and desire to think for themselves yeah. and to question things. And they got a lot of, you know, repercussions from that, just from doing things differently and not not being part of the norm. They they tried homeschooling us for a few oh, years. Yeah, back in the day too. Wow, day, that's like yeah. really rare. Yeah, yeah. And and so I think I ended up getting reported or something and we ended up having to go to school and just remembering I mean, I was super sensitive. I mean right. just speaking with tree spirits and you know seeing people who have passed and them communicating since I was little right so I think also part of that is just having a clean diet and I think we all have senses that we're not aware of and so when you you grow up in nature and you know more connected to who and what you are it makes it easier to be in tune with that right so right. so I've pretty much been like that my whole life and it wasn't easy by any means especially after my dad died it was and you were pretty, pretty young at the time right yeah i was nine so just a little bit how'd he younger. pass he got into a bad car accident nine months before he died and went through the windshield a cop hit him and and then we ended up driving out to california to visit an aunt seven months after he was he was pretty sick i think it triggered something in his brain yeah and he developed a lot of allergies uh. after that to things and so when we got to california about five minutes from my aunt's house he he passed on the side of the road he died just that's body. it well he couldn't breathe the smog oh my God. the smog was you know killed him basically and you guys were all in the car with him while this i happened. was the one i my sister one sister was in the back my youngest sister was only like three at the time my mom had gone on a call box and i was standing there with him when he he left his body so hmm. it was crazy psychotic yeah, yeah fucking took my world for a roller coaster ride how'd you deal with that, that? Well, I mean, my mom dealt with it through alcoholism and dating really abusive men. And, yeah. and I went into survival mode. I was, felt like I needed to protect my sisters. And right. yeah, it was scary. And ended up at 15 getting kicked out of my house, which mm. was probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> and just making my way through the world. And I remember one particular time I was just, I prayed a lot. I, I didn't know even know who I was praying to, but when I was younger, I would have this like dialogue. It was almost like with the universe or mm -hmm. something. Yeah. And it would kind of just like inform me about life and, and things. And, and so after my dad died, I, I remember laying on the lawn and I was just, I didn't have anyone to talk to. I, I was just in a lot of grief and terror, really mm -hmm. pain. And I heard 
really loudly in my head. It was like, because um, I was watching the clouds pass by the sun, and, and I heard, y- your heart is like the sun. So if you focus your energy there, it's always shining no matter what. Mm. And the clouds are, are just passing. But if you live in the clouds, you're going to suffer. Somehow, like, that all just clicked for me. Mm. And I remember just feeling like, oh, I, I always have this place of okayness. In right. Me. And that was my driving force. I, I think I was probably 10 at the time when I, when I got that message. And it just was like the, the beam of light that got me through hell. Right. <laughs> so, wow. And I also feel like, you know, part of my feeling here is like I'm learning about human dynamics and human relationship. And, and I had a lot of trauma after my dad died or yeah. my, that being a huge, you know, trauma. Right. And so it, it's just like I feel like I can relate to almost... <laughs> anyone now like right. you know rape abuse uh alcoholism right. um addiction well it makes you a better teacher to have gone through some trauma sure. so you can connect with people on a yeah. level where they're they trust you actually yeah. to be vulnerable and authentic with you and allow you to do the work that you do yeah absolutely it's kind of like i mean who wants to go to a a marriage counselor who's never fucking been married doesn't even know what you're talking about <laughs> exactly I mean, that's just like clinical yeah you went to school and you read those books but you know have you had your your heart stomped on or have your spouse say fuck you get out of my way or any or of these your parent things? Or, or, yes. yeah. yeah exactly did your parents get along they loved each other yeah they they had a really great close really i i feel like i i'm really blessed because i feel like the first nine years of my life. I mean, there was craziness, like being odd in, in when you I being got- being odd, you mean? Yeah, when yeah. I went to school, I was different. Yeah. I was not like normal person. And- How were you treated? Um, <laughs> well, I got teased a lot, for and sure. How were you teased? Uh, just called spacey and you know and I was also like I would fixate on uh, like tree out the window oh. and it was like I was getting information from that and this this reality was so fucking boring to me right like I just couldn't I, I would just sit there and like why are we learning this and right just like scratch my head and I was I would be hearing like other things that were way more important to me. And did and it drone out the your Yeah. Your and so I got I got oftentimes mm. teased and I didn't want to relate the way people I saw them teasing each other and bullying and right. being mean to each other and it was like it was so hurtful to my heart right. to see people hurting each other. Right, yeah. And so it was just like a confusing time for sure. Yeah. You still remained connected to what was important. Yeah. To you and saved you and gave you that freedom, but you did have to fucking deal with <laughs> us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then again, yeah. you know, you need to be exposed to, to know what to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to see the problem to come up with the solution, and, uh, you know, it's all right there. I remember, like, it was just actually a, a year ago or so, I was, like, going through a really hard time in my life, and and I was like, why does this have to be happening? And and again, it was like I heard my inner intelligence tell me, you don't learn things in books. You learn them by experience. Right. And so when you get this in your body, you'll be able to serve people in a way bigger way. 
Well, you just touched on something. I I don't remember who the people or person was that came up with this, but you don't know anything until it's in your muscle. Yes. Until you incorporate it into your body as part of something, it's only just peripheral information, really, that you're still battling with. It's not part of you yet. Yes. So even though, I mean, I do read a lot, of course, and get a lot of incredible things from books, until I exercise, until I do something physical that has to do with that, whether it's the four agreements, forcing myself to use filters, until I incorporate myself into the equation and it's not just information, then it's nothing until I do something with it. Absolutely. And that's the thing, all the information that our children are getting, there's nothing for them to do with it because it's not doing anything, it's not asking anything of them it's just memorization of old shit even like history it's like fucking get rid of history it's called history because it's over yes. and we focus on now and yeah. what we're going to do going forward why do we keep dragging ourselves backwards into pain yeah and keeping ourselves in this cycle yeah. what i feels like is slowing us down evolutionarily yeah. of our own free will that we're doing this completely convincing people is challenging ask jesus ask martin luther <laughs> king ask yeah. gandhi ask any of these people these what i call convincers yeah. how hard it is to change people's minds when their minds are in a loop and they're not given the proper instruction to recognize the loop and shut it off the the discomforting comfort you know right until we hit a major tragedy it's like nothing's gonna change. I mean, it's the same thing that happened with the presidency. If Bernie would have gotten in, it, that would have been, you know, great. I think he would have temporarily. Caught. It would have been and something. And if we, Hillary would have got in, same old, same old. Yeah. And you know, Trump got in, and it shit hit the fan. Yeah, and the fan like, needs some shit to be hitting it big time. Yeah. Because, because we, we don't complacent. grow unless we're in trauma. That's right. We need to be challenged. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, yeah. that's how we do things. Unless, right. you know, it's like gotten to the point of, you know, total chaos and destruction. Yeah. We're not going to do anything about well, it. And it's still not even bad enough. Because clearly, yeah. like right. I, a drug addict who hits rock fucking bottom and reaches up for Jesus, we haven't hit rock bottom yet. We keep hitting rough spots, we get through it, and then we have short-term memory and go back to our old behavior patterns. So nothing cataclysmic enough has happened yet for us to be humbled into mutual appreciation, which is something, either it's going to be a long-term learning process or the earth, whatever, our natural environment is going to rebel appropriately on us and show us how small we are and so we can learn how big we really are. Yeah, yeah. Again, I'll bring it back into the heart. It's like when we come into that unified field, it's not a woo-woo term. It's actually a scientific study that's done. You know, the, the heart actually generates an electromagnetic field. And, and when we've been entrained into our brains, we're using the small power that the... Right. And we're literally measurable an inch off the body electromagnetically. Right. So when we come into our hearts, we're 60 to 80 times more powerful. So we've got this, I say it's like when we're in our brains, we are exposed to collective 
consciousness. We're not able to think for ourselves. Sure. We're being exposed to all the energies around us. Yeah. And that's what we're taught to do is shrink. Yeah. And yet the real power lies in, and you know, my heart math teacher, I mean, they're kind of like ninjas because they're like moving through the world of, you know, military and police and all that, like bringing heart math because of the need to help people how to become more resilient and to, to because those stressful jobs are killing people sure. basically because our nervous systems are racked. Right. And so this is actually helping us to to come into this she said when we come into our heart it's like holding hands with spirit or right. the divine. Right. And that's where real power happens. Right. That's where the divine can hit the ground running and we can actually start creating action that's healthy and hopeful and creative and solution oriented for the world. Right. You know, instead of it being for me, my, what can I get? That's part of the problem is we become too individualized yeah. and we've been separated intentionally because there's no value in us on our own. Yeah. And, and the powers that be that can manipulate our environment and get a result from us, if that intention was changed, it's really about what's your motive. If your motive is selfish, well, you're going to get only a small measured response. But if your motive is inclusive, you'll get unimaginable responses from people. We're not getting the best out of people because we're not giving them an opportunity to even know what that, we don't even know what that looks like. Yeah. Exactly. We, our kids have no idea. I mean, they know, but they know. you know, they go to school, they go to this place for six, eight hours, and you know, are shoved some shit for them to remember. There's not even time for them. To, they don't even know what the word contemplation means. Right. No. They don't even know what it means to think and sit for five minutes and do nothing. They don't even know what it feels like to be listened to. No, they don't. No one's even asking them. I asked my children. I said, "Once, last time anybody said." What do you want? What do you feel? Or what do you feel? <laughs> yes, not how are you today. Yeah. How are you feeling? Yeah. To be more specific about addressing people, how are you feeling today, will solicit a totally different response because it actually almost sounds like you really care. Yeah. How you doing? It's just a fucking typical bullshit thing that we do, a convention. Right. Of, yeah, I'm fine, thanks. Yeah. But if you say to someone, really, how are you feeling today? I think that most people would be compelled to tell you the truth. Yeah. And that little Because custom, you're being present. That's now, right. You know, you're the one setting the space that's for, right. for the real truth to be heard and to be felt. And people want someone to ask them that. Yeah. So they can at least unburden themselves in the moment for a moment and mm -hmm. then at least have maybe a little lighter day. Right. Because someone gave a shit enough to ask them how they were feeling. Yeah, exactly. And even if they're feeling great. To know that somebody gives a shit about how you're feeling for one second is so powerful. Yeah. And we don't even do that for each other. No. And we can be instructed on how to do that. It's really about creating new habits. Yeah. You know, there's a quote, I think it's Confucius. It's like, all men are created equal. The only thing that separates us is our habits. So it's right. like creating new habits. Yeah. You know? But we need to practice as community and bringing these things into schools like this practice I've been doing for the last 10 years called Heart Circles with a local man here, Tej Steiner. It's brilliant. And what it's, is what is it? It's a practice. It's learning how to get real, clear, present, heart-directed, and connected. The, he calls them the five ways of being. He's studied circle 
And it's it's basically that these are the fundamentals to why we get together in circle, to wake up. Yeah. And to help each other to to actually feel what's going on inside of ourselves, to bring freedom within the group in a loving field so that we can learn new habits and ways of communicating and being in communion with each other, basically, and supporting each other to be who we fully are without fixing, changing, controlling, just simply by holding a loving space for someone to be themselves. Right. It's brilliant. I sure. brought I brought the practice into couples and schools. What and schools have you done it in? I've done it in Walker, where Nemo w- was. Walker Elementary, yeah. I did it in the Whole Life Learning Center, where Nemo was at, in Austin. I did a teen's heart circle, which was freaking amazing for two years. I did a free one at the local library, and... I mean, the kids loved it. The Can you kid- go talk to the new superintendent once they get positioned and yes. talk about starting doing some potential integration into yeah. the system? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and and Tej just came out with a new book, so people can read it and then get involved. I mean, there's going to be more and more circles happening here, and I'm starting a few in the in the fall. But it's basically learning a new cultural tool of how to be together. Right. What's kind of the steps, just so people can get an idea it's, of how this thing works? Well, so again, it's like learning to get out of our minds into our conditioned beliefs and wants and actually tuning into the body. How am I feeling right now? What's mm-hmm. alive in me? So we sit in circle. We do a, a, body, a body scan. I've done it with couples. I've done it one-on-one. What's I've done it with people. I've done circle? it with uh, thir- 30 kids okay. before. Yeah, yeah. And, and adults as well. But, you know, we all break them up just because anywhere from five to eight is a a good number Mm -hmm. 10 at the most but you want the intimacy there and and the vulnerability and sometimes it takes practice to learn how to be vulnerable yeah 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 when we do our uh, breakout circles in the beginning yeah Yeah, exactly so it's an entrainment to actually practice tuning into our body giving ourselves our own presence feeling what's real right now because we avoid it at all costs sure so, oh, I'm feeling tension in my body. Oh, I'm feeling frustrated. So just noticing that. Right. And then we do a check-in after we do a few minutes of just like scanning and breathing. And it's, again, it's not a meditation. If I have thoughts in my head, listening to them, not, yeah. not, not trying to shut it them, off, not trying to shut everything off, but just but being, being the witness, present. really becoming the witness, which yeah. is the training we really need. Yes. Yeah. And then we share by saying how I'm feeling, I'm feeling this right, right now, and this is what I'm wanting. Feelings or emotions are generating a huge impact in our body, and when we are not dealing or feeling our emotions, it's wreaking havoc right. in our bodies. Our bodies are in toxic overload because of the emotions we're not right. dealing with. Right. And so that's the whole thing. Is I mean, it, there's a whole science behind it. It's just letting yourself be present and real and connected to it. Why most people develop diseases and issues in their body is because that, that energy gets stuck inside the cells and we don't feel safe enough to open up right. to feel it. Right. 
And so when we actually create containers where our cellular, I mean, I'm talking physiology right. here. Yeah. It's not just some woo-woo concept. Yeah, yeah. It's actually our bodies needing this right. to recycle some of the shit we've been carrying around for most of our right. lives. Right. And to help our nervous system to not even rewire, but to create new neural pathways so that we can create a life of thriving rather than being in the survival mentality. Right. No, no, and, and actually that came up with uh, Eddie Baxter about exercise, yeah. about these neural paths creating, which is really, that's really education, is yeah. getting rid of these old behavior patterns and giving new behavior. I, I told my kids, I said, you know, what happens if you don't take out the trash in your house? A simple metaphor. I said, what happens? And they were very young. Well, it, it gets stinky, and, and if you really let it go and you never deal with it, what could happen to you? And they said, well, you could get sick. Oh. Yes. I said, this is why you have to take out the trash. You mm -hmm. have to get rid of things that are not serving you. You, as a person, also need to purge, get rid of things, yeah. not hold things inside, work through them and let them go, let things go. Yeah. Anger, even happiness, whatever it is, you have to be able to work through and not keep too much in your body because that's like hoarding. Yeah. These are people that are sick, that are keeping things, and actually it's it's keeping them from living. Cause it, and also, it's like, I feel what has been most impactful for me with these circles is oftentimes we create these, these traumas have been created in our lives with other people. Right. So by having a space that's now safe, where nobody's judging each other, and we have a agreement that we're here to move through this stuff together yeah. in a conscious way. It helps the body to release it. Because otherwise, you know, sometimes we try to process things on our own. Right. And, you know, that's beneficial and that can help. But I really find that when I allow myself to be supported by other people, it allows actually my body to basically transform. Right. Because, you know, like I said, the trauma happened in relationship to other people. So, yeah, it's going to take other people to help you move through yeah, it. Yeah, and it creates an amplified field when there's that intention held around right. it. So we have bigger access to it. And oftentimes, there's someone else in the group with a very similar sure, thing. Sure, of course. So by someone else feeling it and allowing it and and speaking to it, it unravels it for the whole collective Right, care. right. Well, the whole thing you said, too, about having an agreement. Yeah. We don't have any agreements. No, we have rules, and we That's right. walk into them blindsided most But of the we time. don't, as a species, we haven't, like, asked everybody, what do you want? Right. And we all want the same thing. So it's it would, actually, we could agree pretty easily on agreeing on a certain set of principles, which we don't even really need. It's just more of a mental exercise for everybody to see that we all want the same thing. Go, okay, yeah. well, let's start there. Yeah. We don't want to kill each other, and we all want to be healthy, and we all want a safe place to live, and we all want to be creative, and we all just want to be free to do what we want to do. Oh, we can all agree on that? Well, now, now you've got everybody's attention. Yes. And it creates a sense of equality because... It doesn't matter where you are financially. or mm -hmm. We all fundamentally want the same thing. It's to be loved and to love, really. Absolutely. There's nothing else. And that's why we do distorted things sometimes is because we just want to belong. Right. So we agree to certain things and attributes 
so that we can so be lonely. connected so we're not con- yes. yeah exactly and loneliness is the biggest disease on the planet it is and it's only because we inadvertently actually isolate ourselves through our behavior that we don't even know we're doing that yeah because no one's telling us that we're doing that yeah i asked my kids a long time ago i said what heroes do you have in the world you can ask anybody walking down the fucking street right now. I mean, they may say their parents. Yeah. But if you ask nine out of ten people, there is no answer for that. Mm-hmm. And not that we're, I mean, we portray superheroes. We do all kinds of, you know, that kind of action-oriented fighting and, you know, which is not real. And that's all fabricated. And we yeah. glom, that's another thing we glom onto to make us feel better about ourselves is that there's somebody fighting for justice right. versus you. Uh-huh. Fighting for your own justice, yeah. for your own freedom, which could be a an infectious thing, mm-hmm. That which is what evolution is, is this convincing and this infectiousness where everybody wants, uh, or at least a majority want of this thing. They yeah. want to do that. And then everybody else just falls in line because that's how it is now. That's yeah. what it is now. But if this is evolution between here and here, as if there's a beginning and an end, yeah. We're about right here, I feel like, little masturbating 12-year-old boys who just want to jerk off and are not really paying attention and Mm -hmm. a little under the ether of being misguided. Yeah, absolutely. And that if we want to get a little further, there has to be some guidance and that we're willing to guide each other, those that can. Historians are essentially irresponsible because they know, but they're not doing anything about it. Exactly. They've spent their life knowing what's happening but they're not the Aldous Huxleys who actually gave us a prescription on how to fix our fucking shit. Completely. This is, again, it's like, I feel like part of my mission right now, I mean, I, it, what you're saying, it's like I hear a lot of these teachers talking all about spiritual concepts and this and that, but how do you embody it? That's right. And so I am determined in my work to bring it into practical. I don't care about being anyone's guru. I just want to teach you how to be you. Sure. And how to connect and have healthy relationships with your body and with your heart and with your passion and with your purpose. Last night I had a friend here. She came over very late Uh and she needed someone to talk to. And we just kind of laid on my bed and hung out. And she's a beautiful girl. And so when I met, she just moved here a month ago, of course. You know, uh-huh. it's the car breaks down in Ashland. And this oh, is where yeah. you live for the rest of your fucking life. Yeah. <laughs> she just came from Alaska. And, mm-hmm. you know, she just needed a friend. And uh, I gave her this exercise that you gave me, which was a way to deal with my father. Mm. And that is the ripping up of the contract. Mm. The visualization. Uh-huh. And at first she poo-pooed it like immediately. She goes, that doesn't work. I can't do that. I go, of course you can you're yeah. just, your ego's way in the way of everything that you're doing. You're, you're just, how about just saying, yeah, I'll, I'll try that. Yeah. And she did it. And there was, of course, an immediate response. Right. Because that neuro mapping, that little thing that you did that's different than what you do all the time, yeah. informed your body that something else is going on. Yeah. And that you can do something else and you'll get a result. Right. The thing I did at the middle school which comes from Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now, where I do this to people now. And I, I did it to some, some hikers the other day. It didn't work, which kind of tripped me out. And they were from fucking Canada, too. There's something wrong with you Canadians in your body. Anyway, the, the exercise is you say to somebody, think about your right hand. Yeah. When you feel something in your right hand, raise your left hand. Nine and a half out of ten people will absolutely instantly be able to do this. Mm-hmm. And then I say, okay, think about your left foot. When you feel something in your left foot, raise your right hand. And then I'll say to people, 
what did you just do? And they have no idea. And they just say, oh, I thought about my right hand. Literally, even intelligent people will not even understand that they just move their own fucking energy at will. Yeah. That they just demonstrated a teeny bit of their power. Yes. They have no clue. I said, okay, you just moved your own energy at will in your body. Now, if it takes 15,000 hours to become genius at something, based on what I just showed you, what could you possibly do? Which, of course, is unimaginable what you could do. Yeah. But this little bit of fundamental education on what is possible versus all the other bullshit, which is irrelevant and has no importance at all, Mm -hmm. found its way into the middle school through me in a leadership class. And I had a table of boys, about eight boys at a round table, Mm -hmm. put a piece of popcorn in the middle of the table and tried to fucking move it together. For me just spending literally 120 seconds in some simple exercise that no one had ever shown them and no one ever will show them again. And maybe they will forget and they probably will. But maybe there'll be one person who didn't forget that, oh my God, you just showed me something yeah. that no one else will ever show me, nobody else has ever showed me, mm-hmm. that you can listen to on a fucking tape for three hours. I mean, Eckhart Tolle, maybe it's, uh, you know, we have the teachers are available to everybody. But out there, it's not helping that kid over here. Yeah, That's too obscure. I paid Sam $5 to sit for three hours and listen to The Power of Now. Mm. Right here in this room. And then afterwards, he said to me, I see now. Unless you put things into practice, which is creating these new neuropaths, whatever you learned will go away. You can't unknow, but if you don't exercise what you now know, it doesn't do you any good. Mm -hmm. You can't have a one-off kind of message and then not do follow-up. You must do follow-up. We all want the quick fix. That's right. And those things do not work. They're temporary. They may work for a minute or a week or a month or a year, but if you want a long-term solution, it requires that you establish new patterns, new behavior And not for someone else to do it for you, too, because, you know, I mean, I do healing, and it's like people want to come and feel good, and, you know, I've even done that when I go to spiritual teachers or whatever. It feels good, and it's like that reset, but it's really about... How can I bring this into my daily practice? Yeah, what do you do after that? Yeah. You and need like a plan. And like you're saying with, with the, the intention thing, it's like people all the time are like, well, how do I drop into my heart? Well, you put your attention to your right hand. That's right. Put it to your pinky toe. Put it to your heart. Then put it to your heart and then breathe in and out of it. Five seconds in, five seconds out. Do that about five times a day. You'll start noticing that your nervous system's more calm, that you have greater access to intuition, sure. solution, that you're more simple empathetic. Simple fucking shit, dude. Oh, it's my so God. It's so simple. It's so easy. And you're more resilient. Your immunity's just increased. You're now running healthy hormones through your body. Right. You're now aware of your emotions. It's right. like so simple. It's beyond simple. And yet, it just takes practice and commitment and bringing it into like our day-to-day lives. That's it. It's just like, it's like you brush your teeth. Teaching the woman at the counter. Teaching, you know, if the, she's having a bad day, just let's do some breathing in our heart together. It's not... It's a skill, real. man. It's, yeah. It is. It's literally a human skill that you just need to adapt and you can rely on it because it is cause and effect, which is based on experience. Once you know that you can take care of yourself, you can heal yourself, get yourself through shit, well, then you always can. Yeah. I mean, you'll have rough spots, yeah. And you may need others. Yeah. And that's why we're all here together is we do need others. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, 
you could learn how to be very healthy with yourself, mm-hmm. which actually helps other people, and which is part of the whole collective healing process is once these patterns of behavior are starting to be learned, this is the domino effect of evolution, of course. I mean, yeah. it's not, again, it's not complicated, yeah. but it is so simple that it might actually scare people to know how simple it is and push them away because something else is telling them, no, 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 I, I need to, there's other things. That can't be. That right. cannot be. Yeah. In Tej's book, he talks a lot about like we're born on this train and we don't even know why we're on it, but nobody's asking why we're on it or what we're doing here or what our purpose here. Everybody's trying to get on the better train. And right or the better car and it's just like we become entrained into this right old not healthy way of being yeah it's following instead of leading right and i mean leading yourself not following others necessarily but yeah. at least leading yourself right. healthily those who lead are you know then they become that amplified field because they're now living in their heart center and people just want to participate in that because it feels good to be around them that's right it, it feels scary some people will be scared shitless of it and make you the wrong person you know the bad guy sure because you're showing them more freedom than they probably felt inside themselves and so they're going to judge you well they're but, resentful yeah my <laughs> michael beckwith he was like if people aren't judging you you're doing something wrong but just like you know get out there in the world make ripples happen right. change change yourself right have courage right. you know vulnerability humility yeah to just be yourself and that's hopefully what i'm helping my children do is be really authentic yeah and that it will just rub off because again you know evolution is they told two friends and then they yep. fucking did it live by example yeah how's being mommy <laughs> i mean you take on a lot of responsibility not just with Nima, but with other people so how do you take care of yourself to make sure you don't get caught up too much in other people's shit and that you are appropriately taking care of yourself yeah it's a juggling act Right now, she's staying with her stepdad for a couple of days a week. I have my own place, and so that feels really good just to have have a couple of days to myself and yeah. and have some re nourishment. Yeah. So good for Nima, yeah. and I, mean, I love being a mom. I think it's like the joy of life. It gives me purpose and pleasure, and watching this beautiful flower come into her fullest expression and right. have her continuously teaching me. I mean, I just feel like I'm always bowing to her and listening and learning and being taught by this being who's closer to spirit than I am. Sure. And, and just being guided by her. Right. And I feel like that to me, you know, it's like when I first chose to be a mom and I was looking to her eyes, it was like, this is everything. Right. What I do with this child is creating a future leader or a future follower. Yeah. And so it's really on my, my yes. shoulders and I, I don't take my parenting job lightly. And I just feel like, you know, again, it's like living by example and really... I, I'm showing her how to be in the world. So right. if I'm not following my truth and my passion and how I'm here to serve, the lie perpetuates gonna, itself. Yeah, yep. it does. Yep. And so it's I'm committed to that. I'm a hundred percent committed to being. I, I don't want to say a good parent because I don't think there's such a good such a thing. But yeah. it's I want to be a parent 
that sees my daughter and holds the banks of her for her to continue to thrive and, and follow her interests rather than me subjecting her to my own limited beliefs and, right. and thoughts about the world. Yeah, yeah. I want to see the world through her eyes. Sure. And that's what I've really chosen to do since she's been born. Well, it sounds fun. I mean... It's fun and and painful and excruciating yeah. and terrifying. And it's like right now I'm in this point where I was starting to get molested by babysitters and by my mom's boyfriends. And so I How got, old were you when this was going on? I was on? 10, 11 years old. And so a lot of that's starting to surface up for me. Now you mean. And yeah. Oh. I, I oftentimes I see like our kids are kind of reflectors. At sure. least this is how I do my parenting. And it, I see that, you know, it's like I'm getting to see myself in the innocence that I was holding at that time. And, right. and where I can reclaim that in myself and, and not be in this trauma victimization around my sexuality right. because that's when it started, you know, getting funky right. around her age. So I'm in this reclaiming process of my body, of my wants and that's why my you're sexuality. On your own right now. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because I don't want to make somebody else responsible for that. Right. When I speak in those terms with people or in when I'm in, you know, my relationship and there's nothing to push against. We've learned this defensive way of being together and or blameful or both people wanting to be right instead of recognizing you both are right and both perspectives are valid and, sure. and should be honored it's just we want to enforce then our perspective in right and wrong on each other but if you're just saying this is how i feel this is how i was impacted it softens people right so that they can receive your words and feel empathy towards your process sure and and that creates an openings where then it encourages them to do the same so then there's intimacy real intimacy there well people need to be taught how to communicate with each other exactly. fundamentally i mean you need to know how to speak to somebody yes speak with somebody and if no one's teaching you how to interact we don't come here knowing i mean the responsibility of us all being here is to instruct each other Yes. So we can all figure out how to coexist harmoniously. But it's not going to just happen, I don't think. Yeah. It requires some, some participation. Some yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it can be made to be fun. It should be fun to learn how to do something new. I'm at the gym now. Yeah. I've gone three times. Mm -hmm. I'm not winded. Mm -hmm. Like Andy says, I can sing my favorite song while I'm exercising. Yeah. But when I'm done, I feel fucking good, man. I feel like I'm getting yeah. strong now. It's because he's doing it reasonably. Yes. And so that applies to everything. And that is his way of thinking. These new ways of just retraining you to do something different, it's really easy. Yeah. We have a tendency of like, oh, look at that big mountaintop. I can't climb it. But if you're just looking at one step in front of you, that requires our presence. That requires us to, to actually think about what we're doing. And if we're looking up there, we get lost. There's no healthy thing, predictable, daily practice that they can go, oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. They're not even saying thank you. They don't even My know what to does. say. Well, well, but you know that's a rarity. Yeah, I do. I know. You know that we're about 1% of the human population that is even having a conversation like this. Yeah. The school she went to in Austin, it was all about creating basically new earth. It was on the Permaculture Guild of Austin, Texas. They sat in circle every day 
every kid in that school was on fire yeah, with life. Of course. Because they were being nurtured and held. You know, it was like consensus for everything. And they had clear agreements. They were so inspired. The, the whole model of learning that they taught there was called inspired learning. And it was a lot of hands-on. So if they had projects of math, it was like they'd learn concepts and then they put it into practical application. Right. So they were getting it in their bodies. Right. Well, that's, and, yes. And then, that you know, they were stuff. doing communal stuff. Like everybody had to clean at the end of the day. They sat in circle and did appreciations and apologies and wiped away the day. And it was like, this is the school models that we need to put in place in every, and, and I, I interviewed all the parents and teachers there and I was like, what do you do when there's behavior problems in their school? And they were just like, we don't have behavior problems here. Right. What? Do you know why? Yeah, because everybody's connected to their hearts and not encouraged to disconnect. And when you're listened to and felt and seen, there's nothing to push against. But there's a specific element that has been eliminated that exists too heavily in our culture. Uh -huh. and that is competition. Oh yeah. Because essentially, you want people to learn to work as teams, but not against each other. Exactly. That thinking, team sports, all these things, create that problem. I agree. Is the competition aspect instead of the... Cooperation. Well, the cooperation is the fundamental thing, but the collaboration, which right. is the next level, once you agree to cooperate with each other, that's... That's great. Okay, we've all agreed. Here's the agreement. We're going to cooperate. Now we can learn to work with each other, not just appreciate each other. Forget acceptance because that's not enough. You must appreciate mm -hmm. that everybody is going through something. Yes. Once you can get to that level and connect yourself to other people, yeah. now you can work together because you realize you're just the same, exactly. but that you all offer something unique. Yes. We've well, got a fucking different thumbprint. How is that possible, dude? Yeah. There's 7 billion people on the planet, and we all can be identified independently, individually. But at the same time, we share everything. Yeah. We're standing on the same fucking piece of real estate. We're undeniably physically connected. You can't even... This is not metaphysicality. This is not spirituality. This is not science. You're standing on the same fucking piece of real estate. You are connected to me. Yeah. I don't care if you're fucking 25,000 miles away. We're standing on the same thing. Yeah. We're connected. Yes. How could you say we're not connected? We're talking about basic information, not yeah. anything spiritual or anything. We're not even talking about the real fucking things that you and I can look at and agree on and go, oh yeah, we're standing on the same piece of real estate. Yeah. We haven't even come to that to have a conversation in a class to expose that kind of truth to people. Yeah. To just go, look, man, this is what is. Yeah. You know, we can go deeper into what is, but let's take a look at just peripherally what we're all looking at is what is. Mm -hmm. And once you get people to start conversing, and I've explained to Sam about, here's a class that I tried to create in the middle school. Yeah. I wanted a philosophy class. I volunteered for mm -hmm. three years at the middle school. Yeah. And I would engage children and have conversations like you and I are having. And you could see them light up. Yes. It's fucking nuts, dude. <laughs> but if we can talk about it, then yeah. it's certainly possible. And I am a hopefulist. I'm not an optimist because I have no faith in humanity whatsoever. Yeah. But I have hopefulness based on what I know, which is people can change. Yeah. 
and yeah, we're easily. we're actually wired for it. You know, yeah. we're wired for caring and compassion and taking care of each other. So somewhere you just keep doing what we're doing and talking about it and touching people's lives and having them hear it and maybe a switch will turn on. I mean, it doesn't matter. Just being ourselves right. is what will help humanity, I think, get to the next level in helping to just teach and shine and share like you're doing with right. podcasts. It's kind of like that school in Austin. You know, it's like instead of trying to bring what their principles into the regular school system, it's like they just went off and created their own. I think it's good to bring it into existing structures. Yeah. But I also feel like we can also be creating just over here. We do need to have new concepts being developed, new ways of delivering. I mean, it's still a place where people go and it's there's familiarity. They're yeah. just doing things differently. Yeah. So they're still leveraging... Uh, the infrastructure that we have and how we do things, they're just introducing new ways of doing this. And so I think if we try not to put too much pressure on making hard changes, mm -hmm. then we can leverage what we have and just, again, just get people to start changing their minds. Yeah. How's that tea? Good. <laughs> Acacia, how are you feeling today? Well, in this moment, I'm feeling inspired earlier today I, I i got my moon today just in all honesty ah, congratulations. So, <laughs> so you know since we're being authentic and real um just it was feeling a little bit like uh, people um, can't really see what you're doing but you made this kind of weird <laughs> face and this kind of fucked up body movement. so yes that's, that's just feeling you know in my body in a more inward kind of right cozy way well i appreciate that you came over here in a totally different kind of way. Yeah. And uh, that you were willing to chat. Nothing hang stops, out. you know. No, and this is what we do normally. Mm -hmm. And I explain to people, all I'm doing is putting a mic in front of what I would do anyway with people <laughs> and have them come over instead of happen to bump into them out on the street and talk for 15 minutes yeah. or whatever we're limited to based on needing to go do other things. Yeah. I've just brought us together for a little block of time yeah. so we can do this more in a high concentrated way. Uh -huh. But still fun and what I would do anyway. But Normalizing authentic communication. How's that? <laughs> yeah, I like that. You know, I came up with, uh, I don't know, this was four or five years ago. I had this idea. And when you're free... You're free to think about really cool fucking shit. <laughs> I had this idea to combat loneliness. Mm. It would be a mirror in your house, in your bathroom, that actually communicates with you. So you live alone, and you get up, and you're oh, in the middle of the night. You're going to go pee and brush your teeth, whatever. And it doesn't speak. They're just words that show up on the mirror that say, Hello. Uh -huh. How are you? And you begin to communicate with this because people don't really care. Robots will serve a purpose down the road as, as non-judgmental devices that have a certain level of intelligence that you can interact with that will be another combatant of loneliness. Hmm. But for now, I had this idea because we use mirrors very utilitarian to look at ourselves. But what if when you were looking at yourself, the mirror communicated with you and said, have a beautiful day or... I hope you're feeling well today. Just simple phrases to make you feel okay. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and something cares about you mm -hmm. because the rest of the world is not and maybe you feel shitty that day and no one asked you how you're feeling but the mirror says how are you feeling today mm -hmm. so I thought about this yeah. and, and I called it uh, hat heart activation technology huh. And that there was a video component, and I actually did research, and I, I wanted to find someone who would fund this R&D and create a project and, like, do a, a, like start it in, like, an airport bathroom uh -huh. that you have this big mirror, and someone walks in the bathroom, and this thing lights up that says hello mm. and engages you unexpectedly. <sighs> and then videotape how people respond and react to being communicated with in this whole new way. Even those... There was a, they touched on it a little bit in this movie with, with um, a Steve Martin called L.A. Story. Did you ever mm -hmm. see L.A. Story? Mm -hmm. It's really good. It's kind of a pun about L.A. There's a scene where they're all sitting around in this fancy restaurant and they're ordering things like a half-calf decaf with a twist of lime. Yeah. They were leveraging signs on the freeway to communicate with people. And it was... What I want to do is, instead of all this advertising stuff, how about a sign that just comes up and says, hey, I hope you have a great day today. Or, yeah. hey, be sure to keep your eyes on the road. Or, don't forget to breathe. You, or, really, yeah. pay attention, attention signs. Like, we yeah. have the technology, we have the infrastructure yeah. to support a new way to deliver communication that we simply have not taken advantage of yet because... We're just not thinking in those ways about doing that for each other. Mm -hmm. But everything already exists. You know, you look at Tokyo, yeah. Japan. There's just all this neon and signage. But none of it is doing anything to really approach you. Or even in New York, all these things in Times Square. Where's the thing that's touching your fucking heart? Yeah. People don't even realize they can make a lot more fucking money if they actually touched heart intentionally. Mm -hmm. They would reach more people with their products and services if their intention was to really touch people and help them and communicate with them. Like, really, we don't even understand yeah. how limiting we are in our thinking that the wealth could be beyond human imagination if the motivation was different. I agree. I mean, we don't need money, obviously. We don't need any of that stuff. But since we're in that paradigm of... An economy, uh, a yeah. thing we manufactured, where there are huge winners and huge losers, that could be shifted where we're all huge winners mm -hmm. very easily. And that's, I'm not frustrated by it, but I just look at it and go, really? Really? Yeah. You can't try this? Mm -hmm. But again, I do feel that there is consciousness happening within the realm of business, and there are new consciousness, younger people that are going to create companies yeah. that are going to be practicing these things and they're going to be part of our teaching process is this new way of doing business as it were right. is going to be more conscious. Yeah. And then the eventuality of course is it's burning man and we're all just giving each other what we need yeah. and there's no need for money in that kind of way. It's like you would go instead of a hospital, you go to a a health center where you just check in once a week and another human being gladly scans you and says you're good or oh there's a little thing going on here you just need to do that but everything is more maintenance and not having to do all this extra work it's maintaining what we figured out which is good yeah how do you feel about all this what we just yeah did? it's good yes yes 
Tired? <laughs> Energized? I feel good. Do you? Yeah. yeah. How's your moon thing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, I would venture to say that many people don't even know what moon thing is that you're talking about. It's true, right? Well, you know, when I was younger, I had a horrible, when I got my moon cycle, quote unquote, my mother was not very, like, supportive, I would say, or... How did she deal with it? She was just like, oh, God. Like, well, see, it was this horrible, horrible thing that I just got. So I had such a bad relationship with that part sure. of my body. Yeah. And and top of it, getting molested, you know. So at 19, I started doing these women's circles. I called them moon circles. Yeah. And I would have us meet on the full moon. I didn't even know what I was doing. Right. All I knew was I needed to make peace with whatever was happening here because I would get bad cramps. I would be in bed. I would just like lie in pain. Right. And so I had all the women make beaded necklaces with like a goddess on it and then intentionalize aligning our cycle with the moon, either full moon or new moon. And right. a lot of us started getting, I, I've been on either the full moon or the new moon pretty much like clockwork since huh. I was 19. Because I started paying attention to it, I started. God, you should work with teenagers. Man. I know, I would Jesus. love to, and and you know, I'm excited to do that with my daughter. And where I grew up, it was called the curse. Right. So automatically, there's this or negative the connotation. So you're setting these patterns up of fucking failure and totally. pain and suffering just because of a concept that you imposed on someone and we're so and that that it's actually part of nature and a part of a woman's body that right. she cannot escape from right so why and would you why make it horrible make, uh, yeah exactly you would yeah. think that you would learn to accept and appreciate this process in your body and not demonize it as this thing that's being imposed on you exactly. that's bad and like this horrible and, experience. And you're a horrible... And even, you know, we talk about... It's true how we talk about our girls and and how, oh, well, she's just a bitch now because she, it's like, wow, this stuff is fucking terrible that we're... I know. Well, that's why I said I, I would love to normalize a new conversation around it where it's, you know, I, I'm embracing that in myself and I'm in my process with it and I'm in love with my body and what's right. happening right now. So. Right. You know, yeah, I'd love to talk to other girls about it. I'd love to talk to everyone about it. I think it's an important conversation. All these conversations are important, and we need to stop sweeping them under the rug. It's obvious that the education system will not adapt this as part of a regular curriculum. What can you do to offer either after school or a club or other things where children can freely get involved voluntarily and then, you know, let the word spread itself. Once you help people, oh, yeah. they're going to tell their girlfriends like, oh my God, me. I'm not suffering like I used to anymore. So how can you expose yourself to the system as it were yeah. uh, without being this thing that is imposing, but is just helping within the realm of how the system works? How can you infiltrate that? What can you offer to go into an administrator's office and say, look, we know and you know we have these problems here. I'm here to help you do this, which could reduce a lot of these other problems that are going on in your school. If we just focus a little bit 
of attention on these fundamental issues, yeah. your life as a principal, as an administrator is going to be so much easier. Your bullying will, will go down. All these things will be reduced yeah. and, and students will be able to concentrate more and, and be more free and maybe have easier lives at home even. How can you introduce this kind of thing into an existing system? Yeah, well, that's the plan. So the heart circle model I could bring into a lot of these different practices with with the girls. And, you know, there are different things happening around town. I've been involved with the Rose Circle. Right. There's also a real amazing woman, Body Basics. Nima took one of her classes. I so, know Body Basics. Yeah, they worked um, with my daughter yeah. uh, in middle school. Uh-huh. And the whole, actually all the girls, all her girlfriends. Yeah, yeah. So I know that there are a few different things going on around town. Right. But, you know. But sure how about the girls who more. don't know about these things? Yeah. Who are suffering the most? Well, I mean, it would be great to go into classrooms and just, you know, offer to do talks or. Can't you just go into like girls' PE? Seriously, I mean, where at least you have a concentration of just females, yeah. and that's probably the only time where there are just females together, right. and be able to do something during that time to help these girls, even for a few minutes out of their PE day, yeah. give them some new practices so uh -huh. they can create these new patterns, yeah. and you're really, you're saving so much misery from them just adopting some new practices already right. within the system where they're available and you have their attention right for five minutes even whatever yeah. it is yeah what could you go to in an administration and say look uh, i think this is the best time to approach these young ladies and here's what we have to offer here's how long it takes yeah. and here's the results that 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 can manifest from that because you could massively fucking make big changes because now you're talking about large groups of girls yeah and I think, too, it's like those kind of conversations are important because it's like, for me, I was taught not to love my body. And therefore, right. it was I would became an easy rape victim right. because it's like I'm now this open wound that is vulnerable. Right. And so if these girls become empowered by their bodies and by their cycles and by having clear boundaries and clear no's and yes. clear yeses and feeling what's here and being educated on their bodies. And yeah. I think you could be so impactful. And honestly, I think this could change a whole generation of women to just be more conscious around things that they don't think about. And their mothers are certainly not talking to them about. And no administrators or teachers are talking to them about. And certainly no coaches are talking to them about. Who is going to be that person who can at least spend five minutes with them to remind them to be conscious about their female bodies? Yeah. And then who are the, talking to the boys mm -hmm. during gym? Who's that person spending five minutes at the beginning before they all get competitive and testosterone fucking driven and all that stupid shit? Yeah. Who's talking to them for five minutes first to remind them about them? Right. Just gentle reminders. This is not fucking boot camp. No. This is going in five minutes before they start their routine and just planting a certain mindset, getting those neuro patterns to start taking hold mm -hmm. and then regularly thinking about it every day. Oh my right. God, that's changing the world right there. Yeah. That's it, right there. And that's working within a fucked up system that doesn't care about them. an app that reminds you love your body this is what's happening well with, and there's putting in their cycle and like reminding them to do certain self-love 
techniques. While well, we're... that's good too. But at the same time, I think there needs to be a little break from technology, and it I needs to too, be person on person. I totally agree with that. And the kids, let's face it, they're on technology all the time. So if there's that connection piece and the reminders, that's fine. Yeah, I agree. However, it, to me, it needs to fundamentally start with people speaking to each other. I agree. My son uses the term my friends in another country that he games with. I said, those are friends? If something happens to you, can you call that friend and tell them you need help? (laughs) They don't even know what relationships are anymore. They're completely fucked up in that realm. Nobody knows. So to me, it's really important that we reinstill this whole communicating, looking at each other, touching, literally feeling each other. Yeah. And and I think I a simple practice, a few minutes a day, every day in school, could literally change the face of humanity just by you spending a few minutes with somebody or a young man spending a few minutes with a group of boys. Yeah. Could change everything. Miraculously. I mean, this is what I mean. Like, it's so fucking simple. Yeah. But it's about execution. Yeah. It has to be done. You can't just talk about it. I agree. Even this podcast, it's all fucking bullshit. So you and I are having a good time hanging out with each other. But if we don't do anything beyond this, well, it's just mental masturbation. And we're just doing it for our own entertainment pleasure. But you and I are doing other things. I mean, we worked yes. on this thing called What Do Men and Women Want? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went through this cathartic, amazing thing through Facebook, realizing that this town was totally disconnected from a gender standpoint, and people were unhappy and still are. None of that has changed, as far mm-hmm. as I can tell. Yeah. And that we have odd views of each other from a, a gender perspective. And so we started holding these town hall meetings in the community center here and allowed people to stand up and speak. And it was a very interesting exercise. And for the most part, I think it was very positive. And I don't know if anything came out of it, but yeah. it was fun for me uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, to gather people. Uh-huh. And this is, again, this is kind of like this exercise I'm talking about in school is you You've already got the audience built in. It's always the hardest to get people together. Mm -hmm. But if you already have them together, that's the hardest thing. The next thing is, what are you going to introduce to those people that are already listening and willing and ready? Yeah. I'd love to help you in any way I can to do what we just talked about, which is a few minutes before gym class starts. Just like, you know, when uh, a football team's about to go out. The coach comes in and yeah. gives them a fucking a pep talk and talks to them and gets them excited and makes them feel good. It should be the same thing for all children in any physical activity before they get started that yeah. there's a little chat. Yeah. There's a little talk. There's mm-hmm. a little pep talk. Yeah. Yeah. It's, kind of a, it's kind of a cool place for you to have an infiltration and make people think about even the concept of competition. Mm-hmm. Anyway. All right, yeah. that's all I have. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. I love you. Love you. I thank you. This took a while for us to get together, but you know, it all happens when it's supposed to it's happen. Number thirteen. So You're number thirteen, baby. <laughs> Fucking that's my mom said, Mark, that is your lucky day. Friday uh, the thirteenth. Every uh, time you have a Friday the thirteenth, you have I mean I have a great day every day. But I'm yeah, just saying specifically yeah. there's been this kind of identification with the mm-hmm. symbol, like mm-hmm. my forty four, yeah. where something extra special might happen. Mm. Only because there's extra thought energy really going into it is the only yeah. thing. Yeah. Just like the forty four. There is something that's clearly symbolically happening with me, but I am reciprocating with additional energy in that area, making it more fun for whatever's mm-hmm. doing that to continue <laughs> doing that, seeing that I love it and that I recognize and appreciate it. 
mm-hmm. which I think once we do that for each other, have that that appreciation how, how special and cool symbolically that we are, mm-hmm. we would never fucking kill each other. No. That sounds a little insane. Yeah. A little insane. Okay, give okay. me a hug. Okay. I'm crushing her with my body. <laughs> crush you, I crush you. Well, that's the show. Numero Trace is in the can. I'd like to thank Acacia so much for spending time with me and, and really talking about the stuff, man. That's the stuff. That's it. I mean, there's no other stuff, really. If we could just concentrate on that stuff that we just talked about for a little over an hour, then the rest of the stuff would be fucking brilliant. It just got to, we got to take care of business. Got to take care of that stuff. It was great to spend time with Doug and that music behind me right now is an instrumental cut called Departure Family from that album, Naked in Public, No Filter, which you can find uh, in a variety of places for sale, I think, like CD Baby and blah, 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 CD thing store place. Also, another CD we have out is uh, a kid's project called Lucky Doug and the Stink Bugs. And I think you can buy that on CD Baby, too. Uh, fun stuff. And I'd like to thank Doug for coming and hanging out with me, chatting with my uh, parents. And uh, he and I will be having a sit-down very soon before he goes back to Telluride, Colorado. We'll do the, the chat and get that up. And, uh, and that's pretty much it. Boo and I, oh my goodness, even more now than ever, talking about plans again. And, You know, when it's good, it's good. And the difficulty only reinforces when it is good how good it really is. Much love to you all. And word to your mother's uncle. To find out more about the HeartMath Institute and the scientific work they're doing to help us live healthier, more fulfilling lives, visit them online at heartmath.org. I thank and love you, Elisha. Citizen 44.